It's time for another 11 Dubcast, everybody. I'm Michael Citro. I'm Johnny Ginner. Johnny, we just had the NFL Combine. Yeah, yeah, we did. We did. We're going to talk a little bit about that tonight, I think. And uh, before we get to that, though, I, I do want to mention that the 11 Dubcast is brought to you by the 11 Warriors Dry Goods Shop. That's right. And we have, obviously, some very good dry goods, goods that will keep you dry and warm. Um, so I definitely recommend you guys check that out. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, go to drygoods.11warriors.com, and uh, you've got a fine selection of uh, T-shirts and headwear and stickers and things like that. There's also uh, there's also a link on the website if you guys yes, go down there yeah, and get if, it. It's probably the easy. If you yeah, if you can't remember drygoods.11warriors.com, yeah, you know, and that is a lot to remember. You could just you know use the link on our homepage yep. and, and get there, and you know pick yourself up a uh, a holy Buckeye shirt. It's not called that, yeah, because we would get sued, but um, <laughs> we do have the play all drawn up on a T-shirt for you. We have the the, the ever popular eighty-five yards through the heart of the South, the Ohio's Moon, and and many many others. If you went to the Penn State game last year, the Black Saturday game, mm-hmm. and you didn't pick up the Black Saturday T-shirt, you can get one of those at the uh, Dry Goods store yeah, at well. a discount. Yes, yes, and it's a, it's a good deal. Yep. All right, Johnny. Did you watch the NFL Combine? Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't. You know, I watched more than I typically do. I think I same watched a good same. like two or three hours of it in total. But, um, you know, it, it's the same old, same old. I don't, I don't like again. The excitement level is higher because you had so many Ohio State players there. I don't know that it was any more <laughs> interesting than it had been in years past, especially since I think. Let me put it this way: the one player that I was really like, God, I don't know if he's going to perform well or not, was. Cardell Jones, and I think for him, he really had like the the mystery about him. Where I was like, oh, I really want to see how he's going to perform at the combine. Maybe maybe Braxton Miller as well. And of course, Braxton Miller showed up. I mean, he didn't do so hot in the forty. Although I I really don't know what was going on. I, like I know he can run faster than a four or five at least. Sure, yeah. That seemed odd, um, especially since the entire wide receiver group was was uncharacteristically slow. But. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so him and, and, and Cardell Jones are really the only two players that I think I was intrigued by seeing their their times and their stats and everything. And of course, Cardell Jones, you know, went out with an injury early, which which stinks because I really wanted to see him throw and, and kind of light it up, and that was unfortunate. Um, you know, and Braxton Miller performed really well in the agility and shuttle drills. So, which again is is no shock to anyone because yeah. he's a sick athlete, but. He is. For me, you know, again, the biggest takeaway was the guys who really improved their draft stock. And, you know, Tyvis Powell being one of those guys, which I yeah. like, and I think he definitely helped himself out. Darren Lee had an insane draft, or excuse me, an insane combine, and he's definitely going to help his draft spot out. I mean, that dude made himself millions of dollars performing the way he did. So I think that's pretty cool. I enjoy watching that. Um, but I don't think I was, like, enthralled by it. It wasn't necessarily you know, appointment television outside of the couple guys that I just mentioned. Yeah, it's it, to me, it's still a very boring television event. Yeah, I mean... Uh, <laughs> I, I did, and I'm like you, I felt a little bit ripped off because we didn't get to see Cardale throw. Right, that, um, was, that was really the biggest thing that I wanted to see. Yeah. The dude is, he's a big man, and he ran a really good 40. Yeah, and then he ran uh, again and, and, and hurt himself. And he tweaked himself. That's, uh, that's too bad, but um, yeah, I mean, the... The combine's kind of a lame thing. It would be it'd be cooler if they did like, you know, like the. Do uh, you remember the old uh, TV show Superstars? Uh yes. I well, I'm not old enough. The to battle of, the Battle of the Network. Yeah, yeah I'm not old enough to have seen it, but I am old <laughs> enough to have seen them make fun of it on ESPN too. So okay, 
Well, the Battle of the Network Stars type of competition would be awesome. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, there's no real stakes except for the millions of dollars that they're inevitably going to get paid in the draft anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's no stakes at all. Well, I mean, there's obviously <laughs> huge stakes, but for the viewer, right, like, right, I don't right. care. We're, you know? we, have no, we have no investment other than, you know, sitting there going, oh, he didn't run a good four. Yeah, well, that's what I'm, exactly, <laughs> and that's my point. Like, obviously for the players, there's gigantic stakes, and, and even for the teams, but, I, you know, it, it really is a glorified workout, and... It's interesting uh, to a certain extent, but it's not something that I really get that excited about, basically because I don't have that much of investment outside of the fact that I just want Ohio State players to do well. But if we're talking about the NFL, like I'm a Bengals fan, I'm curious about, you know, who the Bengals are looking at and maybe what some of their scouts and (laughs) that's a joke, by the way, Uh, (laughs) Bengals (laughs) don't have scouts, uh, are saying about uh, the team. I think they have scouts now. Um, They didn't for a while. Anyway, Mm. so. You know, again, it's it's interesting in a, I guess, a macro sense, like, okay, what's going to happen with this in the draft? But on a individual basis, outside of a couple players, I'm not, like, enthralled by it. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how it impacts some of these guys' draft stock. Like I said, you know, Darren Lee and Tyvis Powell, I think, made themselves some money. So we'll see if that actually comes to fruition in April. Yeah, what's really cool about Darren Lee is that not only do they have a great combine, but he's also going to benefit from the career that Ryan Shazier is having. Yeah, I think. no, I, that, and that's, and that's a great point because, you know, Ryan Shazier, who has played pretty darn well for the Steelers, you know, definitely I think serves as a prototype for maybe how teams might use a guy like Darren Lee, because they really are very similar in a lot of ways in terms of their, uh, you know, athletic ability and how they kind of fly around the field. And, you know, we were talking about this a little bit on Slack. I think it's interesting how, Maybe not how teams portray these players, but maybe how they talk about them in the lead up to the the combine and the draft, because it really does feel like sometimes they are trying to maneuver themselves into being the only team to take a player. Like Joey Bosa has has dropped in a lot of these draft projections for really just kind of completely BS reasons, right? (laughs) Like. Yeah, they, they've yeah. made up a lot of weird stuff about Joey Bosa that I, I can't understand how anybody who watched him on tape could be like, oh, well, he's not really got, you know, the kind of motor. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, I never saw that dude take, like, a down off. Like, maybe he wasn't, like, throwing people over his head every play, but, like. He's the anti-Clowney, really. Yeah, and it's it, that's what I mean. That's what's so weird about it to me, because JV and Clowney, right, was – you know, his measurables were off the charts, but he did take plays off. I mean, his entire, his last season in college, like he was just completely like just lollygagging and trying to you know yeah. protect himself from injury. And, you know, Joey Bosa does the complete opposite. Like he plays balls to the wall and he, you know, had a great, you know, last season. Um, and yet he will not be drafted as high as Clowney was. And of course, Clowney, you know, has dealt with a lot of injuries in the NFL, has not performed anywhere near what people thought he would, except for me, because I totally knew this would happen. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I really did not think Clowney would, would be that successful in the NFL. But it, it's odd to me how these players are perceived by these NFL scouts. And I, I really, the reason why I think I have mixed feelings about the combine is because I feel that a lot of it just reinforces some of this really weird stat or measurable driven uh, analysis that is done in the NFL where, look, I, I love sabermetrics. I love, you know, baseball and the, the minutia of, of like baseball and the stats that they get into. But I think to a certain extent, like you can't, you can't use these measurables 
to say that that's a predictive, you know, quantity for these these uh, these players, these athletes, um, at least at the NFL, and and especially like in terms of like whether they'd be suited for certain positions, like Khalil Mack, right? Like <laughs> Khalil Mack is one of the best young defensive players in the NFL, and the guy was barely recruited by anybody coming out of high school, right? And yeah. then he goes on, and he's like, oh, okay, now all of a sudden he's a good athlete. Like, I, I don't I, – I think you have to see the proof on the field, and if somebody has proven it consistently, a guy like Joey Bosa or Darren Lee, like, you really don't – I don't know that a combine is going to prove or disprove anything about that player that you don't already know. So no, one of the weirdest things, uh, criticism that I saw of Joey Bosa, it came from the the NFL writer for the Dolphins uh, down at Sun Sentinel. Uh, Omar Kelly said that he's he doesn't see it. He just doesn't yeah. what does see that it. Mean? He's he's a he's a he called him a system player. Sure. So who designs a system where your defensive end gets double and triple teamed every right. play? Right. Uh, I mean, and still is a factor in every play. Yeah. I mean, it, Bosa I can don't. play football. I, to me, I wouldn't even go to the combine. I would just sit back and watch film. I'd be like, mm, okay, can the guy play football? Yeah, I don't. You know, what What does this guy do that could translate to our team? That's that's what I would right. be and looking at. The combine at. is definitely useful for guys like you know Darren Lee and, and Tyvis Powell and, and even Braxton Miller, right? But like, yeah. I don't I don't get it. I, I I just think that's really an insane criticism, <laughs> uh, especially of Joey Bosa. Like I just I don't understand that. And I think, look, do I think he's going to be a Hall of Famer? I don't know, probably not. But is he going to be a really good NFL player? Yeah, I, I don't think there's that's really going to be something in doubt. Like he's, you know, in measurable wise, they were comparing him to JJ Watt, where almost they have almost exactly the same measurables in almost everything. And yet, yeah, JJ Watt's kind of good. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, I think he's okay. NFL, yeah. And and that's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> we we have these weird assumptions of players based on nothing when they've got tons of film on them already. It's like, just, yeah. just watch the film. Like the film is the film. Like the results really speak for themselves. And if you think Joey Bosa wasn't like tearing it up last year, I don't, I don't know what games you were watching. Like, yeah, his stats weren't as high, but like he, he performed really, really well, you know, when he was like the focal point of the defense on every single play. So I don't. Yeah. I just don't know. I, you know. Look, I'm not a scout. Obviously, I'm not employed by the NFL, but I just think they're overthinking it on a lot of this stuff. Oh, I, you know, and nobody overthinks things like the NFL does. Right. I, I think back to watching the draft, you know, many years ago, and watching Aaron Rodgers' face fall as he fell down the draft right. board, and you know, how many teams wish they would have taken him that day? Yeah, I, yeah, I, and that's and that's exactly you know Tom Brady famously being like almost out of the draft, like a UDFA almost, yeah. like at the very like very like sixth round or something stupid. Um, yeah. You know, and that not that they never get it right or anything like that. I don't want to say like they have no idea what they're doing or the scouts are bad, but they are mm -hmm. just so heavily reliant on I think an outmoded way of thinking about the the game of football, where they're like the guys have to run exactly this fast and they have to be exactly mm -hmm. this tall and they have to do exactly this in the show. Like it's stupid. Like if a person can play and there is yeah. proof of that and multiple like you know dozens and dozens of hours of proof of that, then I don't understand how you can second guess yourself and not pick a guy who knows what they're doing. It's it's anti money ball is what it is. Yeah, and that's it's what I'm like, saying. Like, look, football doesn't lend itself, in my opinion. I know we have like F plus and all that other stuff, and, and and you know there have been guys who have done some interesting things with advanced stats. I don't think football lends itself as well to that kind of statistical analysis that baseball does, or even basketball does, right? Because you don't have the same type of 
give and take in terms of possessions and like analytical data that you would get in basketball or baseball. And I think because of that, you just kind of need to rely on the fact that like some guys know how to play the game and you've got to kind of take that into consideration. Now, with that said, you know, you've got a guy like, for instance, Vince Young, who, you know, you can make the claim, I think, with some of these people who are system players, right? Like they operate very well within the system. And if they're a quarterback and they're only having to make one read, then yeah, maybe that's an area of concern, right, for the NFL. But by that same token, there are definitely dudes who are going to excel no matter what level they're playing at because they're just very good at what they do and they're very intelligent and they'll be successful. I mean, Darren, you know, Darren Lee, I I know he blew some minds in the combine, but man, that dude was always going to be successful. I I don't think that ever should have been All he ever did was make plays for us. Exactly right. And and that's what that's what I would be looking for. You know, I mean you you're right, you know, you got a Timmy Chang every now and then, you know, is a system player <laughs> right. puts up just unbelievable stuff. I like I like how you're throwing out Timmy Chang. I was I was actually a big <laughs> Timmy Chang fan back in the Yeah. Was he a Bengal ever? I don't think so. I I maybe he was. I don't know. I look the Bengals <laughs> I gotta tell you something, all right? I never That is such thing. a Bengal thing though. That would he would have been such a Bengal pick. I, I feel like maybe actually, Michael, I feel like he might have had a drink of water on like maybe their practice squad or like a preseason kind of thing. I'm gonna look that up because I feel like it's possible. All right, well why don't we switch to the round shaped ball for a bit? Um you know, Ohio State had a couple of games since we last spoke, and of course, the less said about last Tuesday night, the better yeah. against Sparty. Um, but Ohio State came back, and we said that they had to win, you know, one or two of the last three big games, and and they did yeah. get a win against Iowa, number eight. Somehow. They beat them. Yes. Yeah, and they did it somehow without with Jaquan Lyle and and uh, Thompson uh, combining for zero points. <laughs> yeah, and they were over nine. <laughs> And Jaquan Lyle was over four from the three. Um, but but how about we're not used to this? But how about a clutch Mark Loving? Yeah, well, and that's the thing, right? Like Mark Loving has definitely, you know, he's been hot and cold. But this is a game where he was like super hot and played really really well. He was four for six from three. He you know he didn't like really spread the love a whole heck of a lot, but he did exactly what he was expected to do and which is score points. And look, him and Kata combined for what? 44 of their 68 points. Uh, No other. Well, I think that Cam Williams had 11 points. Um, Everybody else was just like middling to nothing, but Mm -hmm. you know, that's one of those games, especially against a top 10 opponent where you have to have a guy you know, your veterans step up and, and play really well. And, you know, Loving and, and Bates Diop played really, really well. They they did exactly. And, and one could say, honestly, like, you know, uh, they outperformed the big guys uh, on the Hawkeyes, which a lot of people maybe weren't expecting either. So, uh, yeah, I think I think um, for me, you know, let's talk about clutch. Cam Williams was really clutch down the stretch, uh, had some big shots. Uh, had some points taken away from him that should yep. have been on the board. Um, and Jared Utoff sort of is the guy who disappeared for Iowa, and I thought he would destroy Ohio State down the stretch. Well, he wasn't shooting threes. And and honestly, really, nobody on Iowa was shooting threes. They were three for 12, which is bad. And, you know, that's a team that I think has kind of the, one of those inside-outside games, you know, where they can mm-hmm, yeah. they can really make you worry about, like, okay, we're going to try to defend the paint here because they've got some of the big dudes, and then all of a sudden they start just bombing you. 
Um, they weren't able to do that. And I think because of that, they were really thrown off their game. And, you know, Mark Loving and, and KWC are, you know, obviously playing really well. And one of the things that I thought was, was interesting um, is how well they, you know, there wasn't a ton of rebounds, but I, I think they did a good job in general in, uh, in keeping pace with Iowa. And that's sometimes it's Iowa's game where they, they really try to like just blow you off the glass. So, I think Ohio State did a really good job keeping pace with that. And, um, yeah, I mean, for a team that you would kind of expect to fade down the stretch, you know, and, and against a strong team like Iowa, they didn't. They they kept up with them, and they, you know, they won. So that was, that was a great win. That was a really good win for Ohio State. I, I think if you're going to make the case that Dad Mata is kind of, like, improving this team, you know, and, and they're getting better, I think that's going to be Exhibit A right there over the course of the yeah. year. Without the, you know, without the, the, you know, the emotional leader of the team, you know, being hurt, right, which yeah. is Jay Sean Tate. Uh, I, th- I was impressed, and, and I – explain this to me, though, Johnny. Ten minutes it took for that, that replay. Ten minutes yeah. of, of looking at every angle. <laughs> and every single still shot from that you see on the, online is a very clear behind the line for Cam Williams. Yeah. And I was absolutely sure that was going to come back to haunt Ohio State. I was absolutely sure it was going to be, yeah. going to be like they were going to tie the game and send it overtime and win it in overtime because that one damn point. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Bas- look, review in basketball seems like it's been incredibly spotty this year. Like I've seen a lot of games, not just even Ohio State games, just a lot of games where I, it, you know, they've got every angle available to them. I don't understand how they can get things wrong sometimes and it, it just feels very odd now again there are some times where it's like it's so so close that there's it's really difficult to tell but mm-hmm. in a lot of cases you're like man that's that's obvious like why why is this something that takes so long why is this something that we should really be like having debate about like just make the call and go and i i don't know i mean it's it is what it is i'm glad it didn't impact the outcome of the game um but it, it bothers me it's it's irritating yeah. Uh, it is irritating in this day and age that that's the best we can right, do. Well, right. <laughs> maybe if they had, maybe you know what? Maybe if all the cameras were like on floor level, and they just, maybe we would have been able to see it a little easier, and would have been, uh, you know, how about that? How about that, Michael? Maybe we should just be watching the game like that. <laughs> you like the Michigan game? Yeah. <laughs> we could see things so terrible. much more better, uh, so much more easily. I still like my idea of you know the the sitting behind the tall guy cam. <laughs> Why don't we watch a half a game, you know, that way? They need to have a spider cam, one of those things that, like, flies around the court and just follows the players and then gets hit by a basketball. In a, a drone. A drone. Yeah, show drone. Them shot by a drone. Yeah, yeah. We'll just shoot or all basketball. Or put a camera inside the basketball. That would be cool, too. Ooh. And you just, like, see the floor coming at you. Yeah. <laughs> God, that would be awful. Uh, that would be the worst possible thing I can think of. <laughs> So the cool thing is, Johnny, by my math, and I'm no math major, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Uh, by my math, even if Ohio State loses its final game. Which they won. And, and <laughs> at, at the Izone, and if Michigan wins its final game, Ohio State still finishes ahead of Michigan in the standings. Um. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think so, because of the head-to-head, yep. right? So. Yep. They would be tied on on conference record, and they won the head to head. Right, so there you go. So Ohio State would, so, you know, in, bragging rights. It's weird. The Big Ten is super weird this year because you've got so many teams sitting at like ten and eleven wins, and then that's it. And then you've got Indiana that's thirteen and three. But like, 
Yeah, it's it's odd. It, it's it's interesting how many teams are just kind of like good but not great. And I'm not saying Ohio State is necessarily a good team per se, but you've got a lot of like low 20 win teams that are, you know, you would expect and see in the NCAA tournament like, okay, that's like an eight seed, that's a nine seed, you know, like there's a lot of those in the Big Ten this year. Even uh, granted, you know, they got these top 10 teams, but like nobody's really blowing me away, I think, um, in the Big Ten. Yeah, exactly. I, and it's not just the Big Ten. I, I look around and I see the, the there's not a, gr- a lot of greatness out there this year. No. Well, and that's what makes it interesting, though, I think, because, you know, that that's, I think, what's going to make March Madness really entertaining. This is one of those years you could get an NC State or a Villanova-type, you know, win. Yeah. No, I agree. You well, know, Nova, I mean, shoot, Nova's, like, top, like... Yeah, yeah, but I mean, not Nova now. I mean, Nova when they won it. Oh, sure, you know, yeah. You could definitely see some kind of Cinderella run. I, I, You know, there's a lot of teams out there that are... I mean, you look at the top 25, right? Like, there's some teams that are lurking a little bit. I'm actually on the Xavier train this year. I think this is. I think Xavier's going to be really scary this year in the NCAA tournament. They, they usually are, but I think this is the year that they are going to be, like, rolling over dudes. Um, which is sad, because honestly, I was I was a Cincinnati fan. Uh, when I was a kid, a UC fan basketball, a UC basketball mm-hmm. fan, but uh, it would be kind the of fun to watch. Town, the old Crosstown shootout. Oh my god, I watched the Crosstown shootout every yeah. single year when I was a kid. I loved it. It is it is the most, the little fiefdom of Cincinnati. It, it's a big deal down there. It, it still is. even though It's one of my favorite, you know, sort of rivalry games in basketball. There's not a lot of, there's not a ton of great rivalry games. Yeah. There's you know, there's Duke in North Carolina, sure. and that, but the Crosstown rivalry is uh, the Crosstown shootouts right up. There. Yeah, Crosstown shootout. It's it's a weird little. The thing about the Crosstown shootout, I mean, for people who aren't from the Cincinnati area, is that it's a very localized kind of rivalry. It almost feels like a high school rivalry, which is no small sense of irony because people in Cincinnati love talking about their high schools. But um, yeah, it really does feel almost like a high school rivalry because the schools are so close together and yet they really, really, really dislike each other for a lot of different reasons. And it's it's interesting. It's a very interesting rivalry. And I like I said, I watched it every single year when I was a kid. It was a like appointment viewing, you know, they would always have like a pregame show and you get all excited and eat your skyline while you're watching it and it's it was fun. Mmm. Yum. Yeah. All right, so we've talked about a little uh, NFL combine, we've talked a little bit of Ohio State basketball. It's time to talk a little bit about the NFL Combine again with our special guest this week. Okay, so joining us this week is, uh, we have a very special guest, our own 11 Warriors beat writer, Eric Seeger, who was at the NFL Combine. And uh, Eric, how are you doing tonight, man? Doing well. How are you guys? Excellent. Uh, Outstanding, and you know, kind of jealous that you got to go to the combine in a year when there were fourteen Ohio State players there. Yeah, man, it was and wild. I, I, so I really wanted to ask you first of all, just to sort of summarize, you know, the overall experience that you had while you were in Indy. Uh, it was honestly a really big learning experience for me, and I feel really fortunate that I was able to go. Uh, for one thing, like you said, there was fourteen Ohio State guys there, so it was pretty beneficial for not only myself, but for the site, um, just because that's a lot of guys. And it's, uh, the more I was there, the more I learned and, you know, got to rub some elbows with some NFL brass, uh, and big time, you know, NFL reporters like Ian Rappaport and Albert Breer and all that good stuff. Uh, so it was, but it was, it was busy. I mean, I was pretty much stressed out for about like 
96 straight hours. So, you know, that was – but I, I knew that going into it just because there were so many guys there. But it was definitely a learning experience, and I always like going to Indianapolis. It's a really fun city. So one of the things – I mean, I, I watch it. I, I wasn't – in previous years, I don't think I was paying as much attention to the NFL Combine as this year, obviously. But it just seems Me like too. a really – like, well – like, I watch it, you know, and it's interesting because you kind of want to see, A, feats of athleticism, right? Like, it's a really boring American Ninja Warrior kind of. And <laughs> I also... The Spandex Olympics, man. Right. And, and like, <laughs> you know, I also obviously want to see how Ohio State players go, but, like, is it as weird? Is, is the atmosphere as kind of strange as it kind of seems on TV? Because to me, I'm looking at this and I'm like... It's just odd that you have guys just going through their paces and workouts and then grown men kind of leering at them from the, the sidelines. And, and the, the, the lack of communication between the NFL and the players outside of these like really intense interview sessions, it just seems very odd. And I, I don't know if I'm conveying Absolutely. that sensibility right, but does that come off like actually at Indianapolis? Yeah, I kind of got that vibe too. And I honestly, I had no idea what I was getting myself into because I'd never been to the been to the combine. I never covered it, done anything like that. So I went yeah. in it kind of completely blind. And that was a really big takeaway for me, uh, just because it was. I didn't get to watch like any of the on field workouts. Like I just watched it on TV, like most other Americans did. Um, right. Only if you were if you worked for the NFL Network, you could go in, or if you worked for like a team, you could go in and watch them. But it's just. I mean, they basically just bring these guys in at different portions. Like, we had no clue what time any player was going to come speak to media. Didn't know who was going to be next, didn't know what position. Just, we had, like, a general idea. But, like, I think quarterbacks are supposed to be the second or third days. But then, like, Joel Stave showed up on the first day and just was like, why are you here? You know, it just, <laughs> it, it, it all depends on they were going through, like, medical examinations and things like that. And the NFL just has... Uh, they assign each guy like a, a a carrier, maybe like the person just carries them or like not carries them physically, but like brings them through walks past like all radio road into the media room where these, all these t- tables and chairs are set up in these podiums. And then they make an announcement like, okay, Von Bell's at podium C and you get like 10 or 15 minutes with a guy and talk to him. And then they are escorted back out. And at the same time, reporters like myself included, we follow them out and try to talk to them and get a couple more quotes because as soon as that, as soon as they leave and go beyond this like barrier, you never see them again. So it's just very odd how they kind of separate the church and state as far as like the media and the player when these guys aren't even employees of the NFL yet, but they're about to be And, and outside of like the top guys. I mean, you could really make the argument that we don't even know if every single person that was there is going to get drafted. So that was just kind of odd to me, but I guess that's the best way to do it. But it just was like, it made for a couple of really boring days sitting around and waiting for these guys to show up. So Eric, did you get like a sense of, of which of the guys from Ohio state sort of were in their element in this environment and, and which ones were sort of like fish out of water? Yeah, I, I think, well, for one, I think Tyvis Powell would have been in his element, and I think he really performed well on the on-field drills, and he ran really well on a 40. He uh, he did really well for himself, but he was tied up with his medical stuff and speaking with teams, so he didn't get a chance to come speak with the media, which, which was really devastating for me because he's the best interview on the 2015 team by far. So I think he would have really thrived. Uh, but then there was a couple other guys that, you know, you didn't really – I didn't think that were comfortable. For instance, Michael Thomas, uh, he didn't really open his eyes the whole six minutes that he talked to the media. 
<laughs> and, and he's he's kind of been like that ever since I covered him these last two years. Um, he's much better like after games because usually Ohio State wins, so he's in a pretty good mood and will talk to you. But in front of cameras like that and the bright lights, I don't know. He just does, he just seems to shy away a little bit, and that's fine. Like no big deal if you're uncomfortable, it's fine. Um, but you know Braxton ate it up because everyone wanted to hear about his transition and things like that. And you know Braxton, he's always. I mean, he, he's been a star at Ohio State for five years now, so he did really well there. And then you have your Josh Perry's and Taylor Deckers, who have been speaking in front of a camera for three years. So they they really did well as well there. Did you get a sense maybe from the the scouts and the other people who were there, uh, maybe what particular workout they were placing maybe the most emphasis on, depending on the uh, the position group? Yeah, a little bit. Um, and just talking to a couple other analysts, too, like, you're not really going to read too much into like a offensive lineman or a, or a pass rusher's like 40 time. You're right. really interested in like their, their explosions. So like their first 10 yards or the cone drills, for example, um, like Joey Bosa, people were kind of questioning his 40 time. And it's like, that guy is never going to have to run more than 10 yards probably. <laughs> and his job is to get to the quarterback. So I don't really think it's that big of a deal. Um, but I think outside of that, you know, for wide receivers, they put a lot of stock into, the three cone drills and the 20 yard shuttles and the 60 yard shuttles, because that's your, Hey, catch the ball. And then that's your change of direction and how quickly you can get up field and beat somebody. And that's where a guy like Braxton Miller just thrived. I mean, he did that. We, we watched him for, for four seasons do that really well at Ohio state. And that that's his game. And he's the most athletic guy in the draft, in my opinion. So he did really well with that. Um, but you know, it was the more I was there and I remember reading some, some columns, and I, re- I read your column too, Johnny, from a few years ago about like the forty, like to ban the forty, and I think it's right. completely overrated. Like I really <laughs> do, um, unless you're a wide receiver or a running back, because that's the only time that it's really going to matter. Like I don't know why Cardell Jones chose to run his second forty. Like he <laughs> ran a really good forty, and it's like, dude, you're six five, two fifty. Like just chill with that. And then he injured himself, and no one got to see him throw, which is really disappointing. Do you do you so buy Eric, into the conspiracy theory that like the the wide receivers' forties were all jacked up? A little bit, just because there was a few hours where I was really bored, and I would go <laughs> back and watch like the actual runs. Like I watched Braxton Miller's forties over and over again because I'm like, there's no way this guy runs four five. Like there, there's absolutely right. no way. Um, and and it seemed like the clock did lag a little bit for him. Um, but I don't know if it's necessarily a conspiracy theory, but for, again, like I mentioned before, for a guy like him, he's going to make his money in like the, the short bursts and the other workouts, like catching the ball. Like, you know, I mean, and, and when they do those anyways, it's not like they have helmets and shoulder pads anyway. So how much does it really translate? You know, it is what it is, but numbers, I guess, equate to money. Yeah. Eric, um, so tell me a few of the guys that really helped themselves and a few of the guys that maybe didn't do so good uh, at the Combine. Oh, I'll tell you. Number one, Darren Lee made himself a lot of money in, in Indianapolis. Uh, he he was pretty much – I think he had like a first or second round grade already going in. But that dude, as you guys know, he's a freak. And, I mean, his broad drop of 11 feet, 11, 1 inches, whatever it was, was insane. I think it was like the highest since like 2007 for a linebacker. And then his 40 time was – Four four three, which is absurd for a linebacker. So he, he really helped himself as well as Tyvis Powell. Uh, with his 40 time, he did really well with there. And, and in my opinion, I think Joey Bosa really helped himself too, because he, he slipped and fell in one of the workouts, like around the bags and he didn't run the 40 all that well. But like we said before, 
what does that really do for a pass rusher? But I think because he did everything and he did the dropping back and pass like an outside linebacker drills, that really showed that he's willing to do whatever a franchise wants him to. So I think he helped himself there too. Um, mm-hmm. And Zeke helped himself too because his his forty yard was was excellent. So, but the other guys that hurt themselves, I mean, Jalen Marshall, I think he should have stayed in school. I think a lot of people feel that same way. But it was his decision to come out, and and he struggled in the forty yard dash as well. He did okay in the cone drills, but he just wasn't really like he didn't separate himself at all. Um, so he's really going to have to to work out and do well with his returning skills to make to get a job in the NFL, which I think is kind of what he had in his mind anyways. Um, Cardell, I wouldn't say – I called him a loser in the column that I wrote on Tuesday, but, like, it's just because he – we no one really knows much about him because he only has 11 games of tape and he lost his job. So he missed a really big opportunity to, to play well and to throw well there. Um, and then also Von Bell really – he had kind of a weird combine, okay? So he came to the media, and he started talking about how he was lazy in run defense at Ohio hmm. State. Like, he just broached that with the media. No one asked him about it specifically. He just said that <laughs> out in the open, and then I was like, It's like okay, going to a job well, interview, and, like, my biggest weakness is sometimes I just don't want to do it. Like, Right, exactly. <laughs> and that's our, that's what I said. I was like, I asked him, I was like, so Coach Ash and Coach Meyer probably have to be on you a lot about this because that seems kind of like an odd thing to say during a job interview. And he was just like, yeah, they were. They were. It's fine. <laughs> I was like, okay, so I guess you're just going to fix it when you get paid, but, you know, whatever. So, and then he didn't, because of his hamstring, he wasn't able to run either. So right. I don't think he really helped himself, but, I mean, he's one of the top safeties in the draft, so maybe he has that in his head, and, and that's okay. So who were some of the maybe, like, the non-Ohio State uh, athletes that really jumped out at you? That really jumped out? Um, I would say I, I was really impressed with – uh with Tunsil, Larry McTunsil from Ole Miss. I mean, that guy is huge, and he moves really well. Uh, he played left tackle. I mean, I think he pretty much solidified himself as being the number one pick for the Titans. Um, so I, he jumped out to me, and, and frankly, I was really impressed with Carson Wentz. I had never really seen the guy play because he played at North Dakota State, and the only time he was on TV was in the championship game. So right. Uh, I think he really impressed a lot of people, um, and he, he, he killed his interview, too, with the media. He was very, you know, to himself, and he was very confident in what he was doing. Um, and then I, I've liked Jared Goff as well, a quarterback, ever since I saw him play at um, when Ohio State played at Cal a few years ago, and he was a freshman, you know, getting chased down by Ryan Chazier and drilled, and he just kept coming and throwing bombs against that terrible defense in 2013. But um, they – he, he really impressed me as well. So And then another guy, too, was uh, Vernon Hargraves. He has great hair, for one. And <laughs> he was hilarious during his interview, as well as uh, Mackenzie Alexander from Clemson. Both of those guys basically just trashed the wide receivers that they played against in their bowl game, which was interesting to me because it's just like, you know, I don't really know how much ground you have to say that, but they were open and they were confident. I guess that's what you have to be to play defensive back. You know, one of the things that surprised me of the Ohio State players uh, in the combine was the 40 time of Eli Apple. I thought he yeah. was a lot fast, faster than I expected him to be. So how how much did his uh, combine help him, and where do you think he goes in the draft? Yeah, I forgot to mention him as the guy that really impressed me. He, I was surprised about that, too. Michael, I didn't think he was going to run that fast, but... Um, he really helped himself a lot too. And I, I think that um, I spoke to Dane Brugler of CBS sports and, and he kind of said the same thing. He was a little shocked that Apple ran that well. 
but I think that he he's going to go in the first round, probably go late in the first round. But a lot of people have been saying that he's going to go to Oakland because they need help in the secondary, especially with Charles Woodson retiring. Granted, Charles doesn't play safety. Eli plays corner, but they need help there big time. Um, so I think that that could be a potential landing spot for him. But I, I do think he's going to go in the first round. Uh, let's talk draft positions a little bit. How many guys do you think total maybe go in the first and second round from Ohio State? First and second? Yeah. Um, I think I think five are going to go in the first. So you got Elliott, Bosa, Apple, Decker, and Darren Lee will go in the first round, I think. They're, I don't think they, – they could get a sixth. I think like Braxton or Mike Thomas could sneak up there at the end if a team really falls in love with them. Um, and needs a wide receiver. Like, I, I don't know. I I don't think they're going to break Miami's record of having more than six guys from one school go in the first round, but they could tie it. Um, but both of those guys will go either in the first or second round, Thomas and, and Braxton. So that's seven. Um, Bond will go in the first two rounds. That's eight. Oh, geez, there's so many guys I keep forgetting uh, which ones are there. I, I could see, I could see Perry sneaking up to second round as well. Um, the guys, it might be easier to say which guys aren't going to go, honestly, in the first two <laughs> rounds. And, and I think that, I don't think Marshall will go in the first two rounds. I don't think Adolphus Washington will either because the defensive tackles in this draft are so deep. I mean, Bama's got like three of them by themselves, and they're all going to be top 50 selections, I think. So I think Washington is going to be out of the first two rounds. Um, and then Tyvis probably won't go in the first two rounds, Tyvis Powell. So. I, if I had to put a number on it, I would say eight guys would probably go in the first two rounds. That's insane. That is that it is, is insane. absolutely insane. Yep, it is. It's really amazing. <laughs> just think about that. I mean, yeah. this, this team really, like, they didn't really do anything this year. They only, the best one they have is, you know, Notre Dame and the Fiesta Bowl, which is an exhibition game. It's It's insane to me. Yeah. So, you know, there won't be any drop-off at all for Ohio State next year, obviously. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, there's, good. it's, I mean, honestly, they have a lot of talent, as you guys know, just that have been, mm-hmm. has been stored away, but it's going to take a while for these guys to kind of get their feet wet. And, you know, that trip to Norman in week three is going to be, it's going to be something. So they have a lot, to, a lot of work to do, but they have the, the talent and the pieces in place, but they just need to step up and actually show that they can do it and why, you know, Urban Meyer brought them to Ohio state. So Eric, what's uh what do you see as the position group that has the the biggest learning curve going into next year for Ohio State? The secondary, absolutely. Uh, you only got one returning starter with Gary and Conley, who I think a lot of people have been kind of down on him and thought that, you know, after the Michigan State game two years ago, he wasn't going to amount to anything. And, and personally, I thought that a lot of times he was better than Eli last year. Um, I thought he made a couple of nice plays on the ball that helped save Ohio State um, early on in the season when their offense was poo. So I, I think that that whole unit of itself has got a lot to do because who's going to play safety? Anybody know? Anybody? <laughs> I don't. I mean, I think I think Billy Cooker is going to be there. Eric, Eric Smith's going to play too, but we don't know if he's healthy or not, uh, as well as Marshawn Lattimore. They could move him to safety. So that whole back end of the defense has got a lot of work to do, especially with a new position coach with Greg Schiano. Yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be, I don't know, without the safety net of Tyvis Powell, you know, without having them back there, it's its, it's just a sieve, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, I know you were you were kind of sad that you didn't, I, he didn't have any availability to the media, is that correct? 
That's correct. It, it's yeah, that's some sucked, BS. Man. I know. I, I tweeted at the NFL. I was like, depriving us, depriving your media of meeting him is only a detriment to you. Like, because now I'm only going to get to talk to him one more time at, at the pro day, and that's it's just unfortunate because Tyvis is a great interview. Yeah. Well, they just don't know, you know, what they've got. They just have no idea. It's true. They don't. Uh, so. Anyway, uh, Eric, you know, we appreciate you coming back from India and giving us the lowdown on the NFL Combine. I'm sure it was a, a, a big eye-opening experience. And, yeah. um, you know, it, it's it's really cool to, to hear the stories that came out of there. Before we let you go, is, did anything weird happen while you were there? Um, I don't know if you classify, classify this as weird. Well, okay. My this, – this is kind of a weird thing for me, but my biggest takeaway from the whole week was John Clayton doesn't have a ponytail. Like it was depicted in, in the ESPN commercials, and I was so disappointed about that. He has like a little like curly hair in the back of his head because you know he's balding, which I guess happens when you get old. Um, maybe you could tell. Oh, you don't have to Michael. tell me. Yeah. So that was like maybe my weirdest thing. Um, and then there was a guy that like the Pro Football Writers Association helped get transcripts and things for everybody sent out of each player, which was really helpful and it was awesome. Um, cause it saved me a lot of time, but there was one guy that was like the head of that, who I guess had like been working with the pro football for like 30 years. That guy got, he went and bought nat- nachos from the nacho stand at Lucas Oil every day for lunch. And I just like, <laughs> I was sitting at like the same table as him, but like we were down a ways and I saw him eat it every day. And I said, I want to get to the point in my life where I can be like that, be an old guy who can eat that every single day. And he just... It was like nothing to him. I was just really impressed by it. I, I don't know. I'm weird. Yeah. It's not good to eat nachos every day. It doesn't matter how old you are. I know. I'm the same uh, way. I love nachos, but I couldn't do it every day. You, just don't, you want to get to the point where you don't care that it's not good to eat nachos. Yeah, maybe that's I think that was yeah. pro- what, yeah. probably what was most impressive to me. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm weird. I notice weird things like that, like I said. So <laughs> So the guy gave zero dams about that. Pretty much. Uh, yeah, and you got to respect <laughs> him for it. Exactly. Eric Seeger, 11 Warriors beat writer. Uh, thanks so much for coming on and telling us about the Combine, man. Thank yep, you. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. All right, well, uh, Johnny, it's time for Ask Us Anything. Yay! And, you know, you and I both know that this is the best part of the show. It is the best part of the show. It's definitely my favorite part. And... How can anything be asked? So you guys can ask us anything. You can send us an email to um, it'd be dubcast at eleven warriors dot com, or you can send us a, a tweet at eleven dubcast and just spell it all out. Yeah, and we have a tweet this week from yes J J Crutchfield M S P E S singular singular tweet yes <laughs> yes one singular tweet off season Once off know, season ask uh, us anything is a a sad scary death <laughs> loneliness. It, it's definitely a mixed bag, um, and uh, this one looks like it just like was stuck to the bottom of the mailbag, and I'm prying no, it's it up. It's a good one. You just don't understand it. It's a good one. I like this. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't get this. Um, it went over my head, and I'm probably overthinking it. Yeah. Did Did Johnny hit 225 on the bench? If not, I think 11W Corporate needs to step up the S and C game. Can I get the job? All right. So first of all, uh, I did not hit 225 on the bench. Uh, what he's referring to, Michael, is bench press. And I mentioned, I think last week, that my goal. Oh right! Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't do that. I, I've gotten to 220. Okay. And I think I've like screwed up my shoulder or something because my bench press has gone steadily like 
down in the past month, and I'm really mad about it. <laughs> like, I'm really <laughs> mad about it. Uh, like, I can rip out, like, 205, basically, like, three or four times or something. But it's, it's I don't know what my deal is. Um, I need, I think I need to change up the program. But the weird thing is, and, and not to get too detailed about my workout routine, but, like, I can do, I can do, like, 150 pounds on the military press. So I can, like, put the weight on my shoulders and then press it over my head without, like, you know, pushing it with my legs or whatever. I can just straight push it up. You know, like strict press for 150 pounds, right? I can do that. That's pretty good for someone my size, I think. Um, but I, I just, I don't know. My bench press has is, is not been doing well. So, yeah, if you want to apply for the strength and conditioning uh, coach for 11 Warriors and you can get my bench press to 225, I would be eternally grateful because I've been working towards that for a long time. Um, a couple years ago, like I've been kind of like, you know, I've been screwing around at the gym for a while now. But a couple years ago, I decided to get like actually serious about it. And I think I started, I had an injury in the last summer and I started out with my max being about 180 and now it's like 220. So I feel, I feel pretty happy about that, but obviously I want to do a little better than that. So yeah. yeah I had forgotten about that. Yeah. I, I forgot about your, your whole thing that you were trying to get to 225. I don't know why I was thinking it was some baseball thing. It's like, <laughs> it was Johnny on the bench and then he had to co- was he not a starter, and then he hit 220? I, I don't know where I was going. I, I don't know. It's been a long week. My greatest baseball athletic feat, or I guess it was soft softball, but it was when I was in um, – I did some intramural softball in, in grad school, and mm-hmm. I a buddy of mine needed, like, another person on their, their team, and, like – you know, I'm a I'm a big gangly guy. I'm like six two. I'm all arms and legs. And uh, did you did you get Wade Boggs or Ken Griffey Jr.? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, but they were like Johnny ain't gonna do nothing. And I was like, okay, here's what you need to do. You're just gonna put me in right field, so nobody ever hits to me, and I will get on base. And I got I got on base every time. I always hit the ball. I felt good about that. I felt like I contributed to the team. That's my that's my that is that is truly my greatest athletic achievement. Unless. I can get 225 on the bench, and then I will feel happy about that because then I can start uh, comparing myself to the NFL Combine and feel bad about myself. Uh, by the way, the Arnold Classic is this weekend, and I will definitely be there. Um, so if you see a big gangly dude walking around who sounds and looks like me, which, I mean, just look at my profile picture to, on Love and Warriors to see what I look like. You can say hi, and you can give me tips on how to increase my bench press and why I'm so, so Yeah, so thank you, Jay Crutchfield. At Brutus twelve oh seven. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, we uh, we appreciate the question. We need more questions. Yeah, we do. Definitely need you to hit us up at dubcast at eleven warriors dot com or on Twitter at at eleven dubcast. Spell it all out. Don't use the number eleven because that won't work. And we will never ever get your question. What if we have like thousands of questions, but they were sent to at like the number eleven and then dubcast. We would have no way of knowing. That's like so a that's dead sad. letter. That makes me really it's like sad. The on- <laughs> it's the online dead letter office, and those it's like the island of misfit questions. That thought is going to keep me up at night. Well, take some, I don't know, take some Tylenol <laughs> PM or something. Oh, help. So sad. <laughs> so that's Ask Us Anything. Uh, but uh, before we get out of here, Johnny, um, you know, we want to thank our guest. Cause yeah. Eric Seeger, our own uh, beat writer at Eleven Warriors, was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was that was some excellent insight into uh, the combine. And, and again, I think it's such a it's it's a really is a weird freaking event. And I'm glad we were able to send somebody there this year to cover it because it really is. There's a lot of narratives going on, and you know, it's I'm I'm glad he was able to do that because that's definitely a learning experience. That's that's a really crazy uh, the thing to cover, especially for the first time and going solo. 
Yeah, you, it's like a you get that m- melding of the the pro writers and the college writers, and everybody's in all in one space, and it's uh, it's like a big uh, it's almost like a, a conference of sorts. Yeah. Oh. So, um, so thanks, Eric. That was great. Hey, by Appreciate the way, by the way, all right. Hey, before you ask me this question, all right. Okay. I got, I got to tell you something. Okay. Okay. So here's the deal. Okay. Uh, I just said that, remember, you know, we don't want people, uh, you know, maybe tweeting at us, you know, 11, like one, one dubcast. Right. Right. So here's the thing. And, in September on the 25th of September, we did get a question. <laughs> No kidding. We did get a question at the number 11 dubcast. So there is a question that we have missed because. Wow. Yeah. We'll save that for next week. Uh, but Daniel, okay. we're going to get to your question. I promise. We're going to get it to you about, let's see, September, wait, October, November, December, January. So about four or five months too late, but that's okay. That's okay. We will, we will answer it anyway, just so you, you get that question answered. Yeah. You can't just go through life hanging. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. I'm glad you looked that up. Yeah. Cause that would have. And that would have kept you up nights. Now you know there was only one. Yeah, makes me feel a lot better. All right, so my final question for you, Johnny. Go for it. You uh, you want to find out a little something about these NFL bound you know, rookies that are coming out of college? Yeah. You know, we've all heard of the Wonderlick test, right? You get to add a question to the Wonderlick test that will tell you everything you need to know about a player. What question would you ask? <laughs> So the Wonderlick is designed to have these really short questions that should be answered, um, you know, as quickly as possible. But I think what I would do is I would have like some kind of philosophical uh, question. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like some kind of like Schrodinger's cat or some kind of, you know, not, I mean, not that that's a philosophical question, but, you know, maybe like, I don't know, some, some kind of really ridiculous mental like exercise that is really difficult for people to parse through that. I think, you know what I mean? Like I'm trying to think of a good example of one off the top of my head. I'm thinking of like the, uh, what's the, what was that famous? Like, it's like Socrates or Plato or somebody was like talking about like the cave thing, you know, like do, do people perceive the world as they see it or do they perceive the world as shadow, you know, things like that. So I would, I would ask a question like that as the very, very last question and I would make sure that they gave me a detailed answer in like the twenty seconds that they had left on, to do the test. Hmm. Okay. Just to just to see I, how they handle that kind of adversity. Yeah, I think um, I would want to know. I would I would want to know if the person was insane or not. So I would <laughs> ask a crazy? question. Uh, so I would ask a question like you know. Um, Maybe just straight up say like, "Will you make us waste several million dollars? Are you a sound investor? <laughs> yes or no." Yeah, uh, are you gonna flake out on us? Right. <laughs> yeah, that's. Are we gonna one, have actually. to like troll the uh, the casinos of Vegas looking for you right before training camp? Is that gonna be an issue? Oh, here you go, Johnny Manziel. True or false? Johnny Manziel is a role model. <laughs> right. Hell yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, that'll do it for another uh, exciting edition of Eleven Dubcast, and. Um, I will not be on the Dubcast next week, but we will still have one. So yep. get your questions in. And uh, until uh, next time, I'm Michael Citron. I'm Johnny Ginner. Peace. Bye.